Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listeners, Jimmy's back for this one, and we're also joined again by Adam Salisbury. We'll discuss the two games from the week, including the unexpected result on the South Coast and the shambles from Nottingham, before finishing off the episode with some listener questions. Enjoy. Jim, good to have you back with us. Are you well? Well, I've been off for a week. Yeah, but the, the listeners miss you. I know, I've, I've read. <laughs> <laughs> I've read, I've seen the tweets. It's, it's, a, it's a shame when we can't deliver what, what the listeners want. You keep over-promising and undelivering, delivering Jake. What can we say? I'm double-delivering today. Got I got know. a man with us, haven't we? The uh, the talk of the town. Dubai, Bournemouth, <laughs> Nottingham. But I dare say that this next hour or so will probably be the highlight for you, Adam. Absolutely. It's um, <laughs> it's all come down to this this podcast. Can't wait. How's, uh, how's, your, how's your travels been? All right? Yeah, good. Enjoyed them. Um, went to Dubai, obviously caught some cricket. My 100% record of watching the national cricket team overseas remained intact in terms of victory. Getting back to Bournemouth, carried on the uh, winning thread and then firmly back back down to earth yesterday in Nottingham. Not the only thing you got up to in Bournemouth though, was it? Watching some winning football. No, no comment, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving swiftly on. Yeah, as I say at the start of every episode, you can support us here at From The Finney with a donation. Uh, just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash From The Finney and anything received is massively appreciated. Yeah, boys, we'll we'll start with that trip to Bournemouth. Um, I think there's probably a lot of disappointed people out there with some busted coupons as a result of that. We said before the game, didn't we, Sally? Like, we thought we'd win. Just well, had a feeling. It's just one of those typical North End nights where you turn up to a place, midweek under the lights, you've got no right whatsoever to get anything. And then all of a sudden you get a result and it's just absolute jubilation. It's um, it's bizarre. Only North End have that sort of gift. It's um, it's sort of um, our our own gift. Uh, but no, it was... It was um, yeah, there were confidence in the stands. You got that, didn't you? There was a bit of a carnival atmosphere from ball one, really. Yeah, we sort of pressed that first 25 minute. Like Bournemouth's press. I thought West Brom's press was the best I'd seen, but Bournemouth's press was brilliant. Like that first 25 minutes, it just pinned us back, didn't let us out of our own half. We're decent on the ball, but just didn't have anything, I suppose, that cutting edge that they probably needed. And, you know, we kept, Bauer was excellent against Solanke all night. And we just kept, we just kept him at arm's length. The only real efforts they've had on goal that first half was a free kick from uh, Billy. That's pretty much it. You know, Barky's got a great opportunity where it looks like he's kicked the floor, you know, when he's steamed through down the right-hand side. But it was just a game where I thought, these are here for the taking. You know, after 45 minutes, it was similar tactically like we were against Liverpool where we're just soak up pressure, try and do them on the counter. But I just thought the longer it goes on, the, the more in the game. 
you know what? Fair play to Ben Whiteman. It probably doesn't make amends for the miss at Blackpool still, but he's, you know, he's making inroads into that sort of whatever you want to call it. The emotional bank, I think, is the uh, is the emotional bank that the fans is had a few coins put back in it. Uh, but, yeah, uh, a few um, taken out yesterday, which we'll come on to in a bit. But didn't think Whiteman were at fault yesterday, but we'll come on to that later. Um, oh, I mean for the penalty. Mm, yeah. Penalty well, aside. Yeah, we'll come um, on to it. Yeah, we'll come on to that in a bit. But yeah, we were just good. It was just a good night, you know. And I don't know if you heard this, Sally, but just before they equalised, there were some fans at the back of the stand singing, you couldn't score in a brothel to Bournemouth fans. And literally they were singing it as the ball went in the back of the net. I just thought, what are you doing? Why have you just cursed it? Yeah, I recall that. Um, it was literally, and the ball went in the net and then you could, you could hear an absolute pin drop in the, uh, in the away end, couldn't you? Yeah, like you said there, Jimmy, I thought uh, as the first half went on, they obviously started like a house on fire, you know, they wouldn't, wouldn't let us out of the half, but you just got the impression, didn't you, that we were starting to grow into the game as half-time came and, and there was reason to be optimistic in the second half and and um, so it turned out. Yeah, it seemed to concede when we did, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, I was really pleased with how we reacted after the goal because uh, we just... Um, we just Carried on from where we left off, really. Like um, yeah. on the front foot, it was um, it was really good. Couldn't fault the performance at all at Bournemouth. It was exceptional. We, we've been guilty of that, haven't we? In the past, we'll we'll sort of sit back in a bit, and there was there was no. I mean, I think for their goal, we as much as you might say we we sat back in and, and sat on the lead. I think it was like you say, Jim down to Bournemouth and that press that for a short period after the goal. We couldn't really get out again, but credit to us, you know, for the second one, it was just more of the same. Get back at him and try and grab that other, that second goal, and obviously that's what we managed with Ali McCann. Had a great game for me. Him and Bauer were absolutely. To be fair, you couldn't fault any of the lads on, on Wednesday night. Thought Reese was a handful all night. You know that chance he's had when it is two-one. Christ, if that goes in, you know it wouldn't have been twelve ejections. It'd have been about forty. Because literally everyone was about to be on that pitch with Reese, because he's just deemed Kale. He's literally that halfway line. He's just so quick, and like I didn't know at the time how bad of a miss it was. Because I thought, oh, it might be a good save by keeper, but it's straight at him. <laughs> I'm like, I think like he's, he's maybe run much, out a bit of steam. I think he's given him too much time to think about it instead of doing it quite instinctively. You know, it's like he's had all that time to think where I'm going to put it. And then he just literally put it to keeper. I'm like, oh, no. But, yeah, full credit to him. You know, Daniel Iverson's save is unreal. There's, there's, no, other, there's no other way to describe it. But, yeah, Reese was good all night, I thought. Real handful. Subs made an impact. Right sub bringing Earl off for Greg, I thought. Just to, just to tighten up that side. And, yeah, just a good night away. Not, not too late either. About three o'clock, we got got home. Solly was just getting in at that time from his uh, endeavours around Bournemouth, no doubt. Yep, went on a night out after the uh, uh, after the victory. Had a good time, had by the wall. There were plenty of press tonight in Bournemouth, you know. Um, yeah, there's lots there, over, weren't there? Yeah, there was. There was about thirty of us chanting about Reese in um, uh, in the pub, um, and and there were only one one uh, bouncer on the door, and they just couldn't handle us, unfortunately. But no, it was a great, <laughs> a great night. I had all no offence. <laughs> there weren't too many Bournemouth out, that's for sure. Yeah, I wonder why. 
Mm. I think it's got it's got to be one of the best away games I've been to in a long time. I know obviously we've had COVID and stuff, but it felt like that's even when we before COVID, it's a good away game. That it's just a good away day. There's everything about it. It's just like going in as complete underdogs, a team unbeaten in the league, putting in a good display. You know, from pretty much the first minute in terms of defensively and tactically, keepers made a worldie. You know, Ali McCann's got his first goal. It ticked every box you'd want to tick in terms of it being an away game. And like, I dare yeah, say, just... the result aside, maybe perhaps a bit similar to that one against Leeds on Boxing Day. I know we ended up drawing in the last minute, but not in the same league, mate. I think it's different, no. isn't it? Because I think it's always a lot better. I might get might get abused to this, but it's always a lot better when there's a couple of hundred hardy souls there. You can really get your atmosphere going. It's like a real tight unit. Whereas yesterday was obviously 2K, everyone's spread out. It's hard to get any sort of rhythm going with your sort of chanting and noise making. Whereas when you go midweek, you're bred and, well, it's just hardy souls, isn't it? Just turn it up, not necessarily expect anything. You're there just to have a good time, essentially. Um, and I think the players might have head off the freedom that the supporters had and really wanted to give us a great night as well as them and themselves. So, yeah, those sort of midweek away is uh, I ride up there for me. I absolutely love a midweek away when there's a couple of hundred fans. I think they're great. Yeah, it was just a good night. And you know what? Just to sort of summarise it all, I, I thought we'd turn the corner after Wednesday night. I genuinely did. I, I came off and I thought, <laughs> yeah. But this is we've turned the corner now, you know, back to back wins. I thought, yeah, we were doing our we're starting to see better displays, better performances, things come together. And I thought, finally, we've turned that corner. And then yesterday happened. I think just the final one on the Bournemouth game as well. Obviously, we've been quite critical of the management team. I thought they, they, they got the setup spot on on Wednesday, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They got the same, it was the same tactically as we were against Liverpool, you know, sitting and then hopefully doing a bit of pace out wide. And, you know, we had the opportunity to get in behind them. It's good, two good moves for for both goals. Yeah, can't really criticise them at all, really. I think it helps having Barky right wing back because, it, you know, Seppi's doing really well at centre-half as well. It looks like it, that is his natural position. He's not like a, a square peg in a round hole. It's... You know, and Barkey is a right wing back. You know, it's perfect for him. You know, defensively he's solid. He's quick going forward. It gives you that opportunities to, you know, create opportunities to attack as well. So, I think tactically in his shape and the team selection was absolutely spot on for Wednesday night. McAvoy's more at home when, uh, when he doesn't need to work out how to break down the opposition. He's more at home when when it's just about being rigid in defence, a bit of a low block and trying to counter. That's where. He tends to excel. Yeah, that's wow. what that's why we did well last season. Really, if we think yeah. about it, yeah. you know, but it was perfect for us in a way. You know, that eight games, nine, whatever it was, at the end of last season, when you know we just needed to try and do him on the break with with Reese's pace, and you know, be quite defensively, but go quite direct. And that's why we picked up quite a few like one nil wins and stuff. You know, on the road was perfect for us. I think it also helped not having fans in the ground because if fans were in the ground, I don't think they'd have tolerated the tactics as much last season, but end of the day, got results and got the job on the back of it. So, can't really knock that. But I think fans expect a certain style and You want You want to be a don't you? 
But you, end of the day, it's a results business. You don't, you don't mind playing very average football if you're winning games. But when you've got very average football and you're losing games or not picking points up on the, you know, at home or on the road, you start to get a bit miffed. It's not a good recipe, is it? No, no. I mean, look at, you know, look at the people that have lost their jobs this weekend. You know, Daniel Farker very much uh, sitting and hope for the best sort of manager in the Premier League. You know, I know we got a great result yesterday, but I think the writing was already on the wall. Same with Warnock. You know, Warnock had fallen out of the director of football there. Dean Smith obviously lost his job whilst been recording. It's, you know, it's a results-based business at the end of the day. And if you're not picking results up and your style of football is not exactly great to watch, then, you know, there's only going to be one winner and it ain't going to be the manager. I think, I think those two wins before yesterday have given him a bit more time after the international break then. Or Absolutely, do you think he was yeah. never really in any danger? Yeah, I don't think he was in any danger anyway, to be honest. Uh, if he was in any danger whatsoever, he'd have lost his job after the Blackpool game. Yeah. Um, so, no, nah, he, he's bought himself plenty of time with those two wins. It's worth noting, really, that no matter what happened yesterday, it, it, it's still been a decent week on the pitch for the club, ultimately. Um, so, he doesn't necessarily deserve massive abuse on the back of yesterday particularly might be an unpopular opinion that but it's still been a decent enough week we'd have all taken six points out of Luton Bournemouth and, and Notts Forest yeah I think the vast majority would definitely he's not going to lose his job I just don't see it happening I, like, I think he's very much safe in the structure that we've got you know he's been in the job what 20 30 games what, what is it now he's had in total charge of the club including Cups 17, four, four rounds at Cup, 21, 29 games, including last season. So, I don't think he's in any, in any danger. I think it would cause a big kick-off if you sacked him from, a, a I suppose, a, an LMA point of view, if that makes sense. Um, I just can't see it happening. I, I just don't think it's we're at that point yet. I just think do you it's... Think, do you think he sees out the season? Yeah. I um, don't know. Depends on how bad the form gets and if we get close to that bottom three. I think if you look at the results yesterday, Cardiff getting that late winner, that makes that a massive game when we come back from the international break. You know, the, the six points behind us at this moment in time, you know, when, when, when nine points off the drop zone, you know, after Hull won, you know, if Hull drew yesterday, for example, to be fair, we'd still be nine points off the drop zone because Barnsley would be on 12 then, but I just can't see him being in any, in any danger at all. Like, I just, I just don't see it. Despite my views on him, like, I don't think he's up to the job. And I thought they played for him on Wednesday night. I thought they threw him under the bus a little bit yesterday. I just think, as long as we're clear enough of the drop, um, and we're sort of stable in the league, I think that's all the Riddler. And maybe Craig Hemmings cares about really. I just think they're all they're all right, just sort of ambling towards a mid to lower table finishing the league. That yeah, it, you just reminded me that's what I was gonna ask was Yeah. Do you think that as long as we're in the league that the club are quite happy with that? Yeah, I do. Um which as supporters we need to rally against really because at the moment we're in this sort of like there's like an epidemic of just like vagueness of like nothing. What is this really? Like, what are we doing? 
we're just Ap- apathy, we're, isn't it? Yeah, we're, mm. we're just turning up to sort of complete forty-six league fixtures, and if we win, then okay. If we draw, okay. And if we lose, well, we're still nine points off the drop. It's just, it's just all a bit May, isn't it, at the moment? Um, yeah, so there's a real lull, isn't there, around the place? I mean, you, you only have to look at socials yesterday. Everyone's absolutely fuming because it's all well and good staying in the league and finishing, you know, anything above 21st. But the damage it's actually doing to the fan base and, the, you know, customers, if you want to call them that, you know, these people are, aren't going to come back. If the football's dire, the results are very inconsistent and we just stay anything above 21st is okay. That's not good enough. I'm sorry. It's just not like, you know, it just pisses people off because what's the point? What's the point of surviving? You know, it's, it's like life and it, you know, what's the point in just, just surviving? You know, you want to actually just, live just a bit, don't you? Along. Yeah. You do want to live a bit, don't you? Yeah. You want to go on holidays. You want to be able to live your life the best you can rather than just survive, you know, what's the point? It's just like, you've got to want to push yourself and do the best you can. And you, you know, both professionally and personally, there's no point just like ticking over and saying, oh yeah, it's all right. Because, you know, you're just not happy, are you? If you do that, you know, if you're just like, this isn't a counseling session by any stretch of the imagination, like, but you, you look at it as a football club's perspective. There's no point just surviving because at the end of the day, you survive for so long, then you go down because you've not done anything about it and then you've pissed off a load of fans that used to come every week and then don't. So, uh, you know, it's a downward spiral from there. You know, look at some of the clubs like, when, years ago, Grimsby were in the championship, you know, and had been there for a few years. Look at them now nationally, got beat off Kidderminster areas yesterday in the FA Cup first round. You know, and they're just spiralled, you know, they've had a couple of bad appointments as managers and next minute, you know, they're in League One and League Two and then they fall out of the Football League and it's like, you don't want to be in that sort of situation. And that's like worst case scenario, don't get me wrong. But you want to live a bit, you know, have a bit of excitement, you know, play decent football. Not just this turgid stuff that we're subjected to at the minute on the, on the whole. You know, it's Gross, all well good picking, it? well, it's all well good picking up the odd result, but it's just a good job there's three worst teams in us in the league. Mm. I think at the minute, obviously before we come on to the Forest game, in fact, no, we'll talk about the Forest game first. Um, Jim, you mentioned before that you felt like they'd maybe thrown Frankie under the bus a little bit yesterday. I did. I I, I felt the performance. And at 0-0, and Barrow on the pitch, I think we're in the game. I think we are in the game at that point. Barrow goes off, story comes on, looks like a rabbit in the headlights for the first half. Honestly, looks so nervous. And it made the two lads beside him look nervous as well. I thought, holy moly, we need half time here. And then next minute, Whiteman hesitates in the box, boots their lad's ankle, it's stonewall penalty. Silly, 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 silly. You know, just put your foot through it first time. Don't don't you're not gonna get time in the championship in the in your own penalty area to pick a pass under pressure. Like, it just doesn't happen. And you know, he should know better because he's had a good week as well, and it, it annoyed me that because it's a stonewall of penalties you're going to get in the championship. You know, don't give the referee a decision to make like that. And then from there on in, it's downward down spiral, isn't it? Went, went but, downhill very quickly, didn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, one became two, and second goal for for me. We're on the we're on the attack. Josh Earls on the edge of their 18 yard box. He plays an absolute fanny ball to DJ. No weight in the pass. 
And next minute, you know, they're adding to set, don't even get to DJ and breaks through. DJ's after to the buster got to, to track this lad, forgot who it was at the time, commits the foul on the edge of our R18. So the lads travelled probably 60 yards with the ball. Like, that's frustrating. Um, but it root cause of the problem is that one pass. Next minute, ball comes over, it's not cleared properly, and Potts ducks out the shot. I'm like... The thing is, um, Josh Earl has had a pretty good season, to be honest. Um, but yesterday, he was in some... Especially in the first half, he was in some kind of haze. It was like he was running in treacle for most of the half. He had lead in his boots. It was just a classic hangover, I thought, from all of them from Wednesday night. I've, I got the impression they were still knackered. They were still yeah. feeling the, the obviously massive physical effects of midweek, which, which you're bound to have. You lose Maguire and Brown, who are your two most energetic players. Uh, that's not a help. Uh, that's not helping. And then you lose, obviously, uh, your rock at the back in, in um, Patrick Bauer, um, and it was just one big mess really yesterday. Um, obviously, <sighs> you know we spoke about it earlier on about the supporters uh, and about how they've got every right to feel um, apathetic at the moment. I thought, especially the second half was really concerning, actually. Um, you know, there was scrapping in the stands. Uh, I heard racial comments towards the goalkeeper. I thought, this is a seriously splintered supporter base. It was incredibly worrying. The club have got to act quickly on this. They need to make the supporters feel something again. Because at the moment, you've got supporters turning up in numbers, which is to our credit as supporters, and the team are, uh, you know, they're performing horribly when we're travelling away in numbers. Um, something's got to give at the moment. We can't have supporters scrapping in the stands. We can't have supporters cheering when players are getting subbed off. Yeah, it was um, it was a humbling forty-five minutes yesterday, um, uh, and incredibly concerning from my point of view. I never felt like that in a stand before. I was stunned and shocked and just thought this is horrible now this is getting seriously toxic 100% I think we I said on last time I was on Jay like this is the time to pull together as fans and I thought it's thought gone the opposite way hasn't it I thought it's it no but I could see it coming Jay like yeah. I'm not you know I'm not a clairvoyant or anything like that but I could just see it was on the horizon like in terms of what was coming because I can just, you can just feel it in the water, can't you? Like, well, the, in terms the club of and, there's something the not right. Are so far detached from one another at the minute. It, like you it's, say, Adam, it's not only are the club and the support detached, but the support is incredibly splintered as well. Like, but you say that, Jay, Jay, you say that, but on Wednesday night, I've never felt as connected to this team as I did on Wednesday night when but I was there. Jim, I that's felt, a one off. And it might be a one off, but I felt it. I felt connected for the first time since COVID for the past, you know, 18 months or whatever. It's been out the grounds and we've played shit football for three months. And for the first time, I thought, yeah, I can relate to some of you lot, you know, because the way they were, they worked hard off the ball. They were, you know, they, it, it just, I felt a connection. And then that whole relationship that had been built up on Wednesday night and that I felt connected to them, it just disappeared. It's like but you've that, got players you having, you got players having to go back. You've having players having to go at people in the stands again yesterday. I'm like, come on, yeah, yeah. like, don't be wrong. Fans are going to voice their opinion when you're playing crap football. 
Like, let's not beat around the bush. There's going to be a few people who are going to say a few choice words. Don't react to it if you're players. Like, just take it on the shin. You've been dick 3-0 away from home in front of 2,000 away fans. Like, you know, fans are going to be miffed. Of course they are. It's like, we can't just expect, you know, people to, you know, give them a round of applause and say, ah, oh, everything is fine. You know, because that's not the case. You know, everything isn't fine. We've had two good results. To, uh, to your favourite gif again, doesn't it? Of course it does. But, like, you know, we can have two good results earlier in the week. But performances alongside need to go alongside results. It's not just about, you know, getting the three points. Well, it is ideally, but... You know, we need to, if you're not going to get the three points, then people are going to want to see a performance as well. And if they don't see either, then mm, you've got a bit of a problem. Yeah, I think for me, like it, it just feels like there's just no bridge between any part of the club at the minute, the fan base, the team, the board, the manager. You know, we we like you say, Jim, one win every so often. Or I know we've had two back to back after the Blackpool game, but. It feels like with things that you hear and the lack of any kind of communication, it feels like you know we, we we win one in three or one in four, whatever it may be, through at any particular point in the season. And it's like, well, feels like to me at least, it's it's a case of well, you've got you've got your three points there. So what are you moaning about? It's three like, wins and, 12, and you should you should be happy with that. And it's like, well, no, you should if. Yeah, it's all well and good winning games, but you want more from that. You want you want to support your team, knowing that there's p- the potential for something to happen at the minute. It doesn't the only potential it feels like we might have is to be relegated. Jay, it's three wins in twelve. People can dress it up and say it's three wins in the last five. It's not. It's three wins in twelve. Let's look at the bigger picture. You know, yesterday second half we've had one block shot. We've not tested their keeper second half. You know, they've had two. They've had two shots second half. Forest scored one, and both were on target. You know, it was absolutely piss easy for him yesterday because they could have as much of the ball as we want. You know, people can come out and say, oh, I've had 60-odd percent possession. Couldn't give a shit because what's the point in having possession if you're not if it's possession without purpose? You know, we're good when we've not got the ball. That, that, that's the be-all and end-all. You know, we're better when we've not got it <laughs> because then we can try and, you know, when, t- do teams on the counter. And that's been the same under Alex Steele as well as under Frank Wednesday Key. night showed that though, didn't it? Of course it did. But, the, you know, just so miffed about yesterday like it was just such a flat performance it was it was very tired as a performance you know they probably had an extra 24 hours rest we hadn't been home you know the lads had obviously stopped down in Bournemouth the Wednesday night gone to St George's Park was it Thursday afternoon trained down the Friday and then obviously played the game on Saturday just felt just felt like a, a performance without a bit of a plan to be fair like and you're going to get games like that but yeah, it was just an inexcusable performance from my point of view. And, you know, DJ's comments after the game, to be fair to him, at least he's put his hand up as captain on the day and said, look, that isn't good enough, you know, and absolutely fair play for him to doing that, for, for doing that. You know, he said, we let them down today. Yeah, you did. And it's, to, to be fair, I'm glad that he said it because the manager didn't, or the head coach, sorry, he didn't say that, mm. you know, he, he said it was a poor display and that, but, when you've got 2,000 fans or just short of 2,000 fans there on the day and you put in a performance like that, yeah, damn right you let us down. Not good enough. Supporters also let themselves down, though. I mean, it's all well and good travelling in numbers. I don't really want to have a go at the supporter base because, obviously, it's not easy for anyone at the moment. But 
twat the way that he did, you know, <laughs> Brad Potts is what he is. He'll, he'll tend to divide opinion. There'll be supporters who think he's absolutely appalling. There'll be supporters, including me, who sort of admire sometimes what he does off the ball um, and think that he has a role to play in our squad. You can't afford to be cheering our own when they're coming off as a sub, no matter how you feel. Yeah. Uh, how, how did it ever get like this? How how did we ever allow this to ever happen? In my like, how 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 has it been let to get this toxic? Um, something's got to give. Mm. I see. The thing is, for me, like with Potts, right? I don't mind Potts. I think he works hard off the ball. I think he's he's all right in possession. To be fair, yeah, people have got this um, opinion of him because he's got a man bun, and yeah, he probably needs to shave it off. It's um, a vendetta. But, it's, a very yeah, it, it's not necessarily a, it's a become thing. that it's absolutely become that because he's the scapegoat now he's like well if we're playing poorly it's Potts' fault well I think end of the day he's a professional footballer in the championship and he'll work bloody hard to get there you know this isn't this isn't someone that we've just picked up off the streets and have coached into being a, a championship footballer you know this is a guy that we signed for 1.5 million pounds from Barnsley you don't sign a player at our football club for that sort of money unless they've got something about him. Yes, he's probably out of form a little bit. Yes, he probably didn't have his greatest game yesterday. But to cheer him off, come on, boys, we're better than that. We're so much better than that as a football club. It's and, just and like, it's poor though, Jake. Blackpool game, he was, he was, his substitution was booed when he came on. You know, it's not, yesterday isn't an isolated incident yeah, is the point Jake, I'm making here. Jake, the Blackpool game, right? It was a bad sub by the by the by the coach. Of course it, really. it was. Of course, it, I'm, yeah, not, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doubting not, that, Jim. What I'm, I'm, I'm backing up. What Adam's saying is how how has it got to the point as a fan base that we're doing that? Hundred percent. They're booing the substitution. They're not booing Potts coming on. They're booing the fact that they're taking Whiteman off and putting Potts in his in his place. It's a poor substitution. I think that's the reason they got on his back at, at Blackpool. They weren't getting on Potts's back. We're getting on the fact that it's an absolute horrendous substitute to make when it's late on in the game and you're 2-0 down. It's like, well, what are we doing? I think that was the issue at Blackpool. Yesterday, they've take, you know, some of the supporters that are in the stands have taken offence to Potts' performance. Yeah, he had a shit game. And he probably admit he had a shit game himself, but doesn't need 2,000 fans getting on his back about it. Because what, what good is it going to do? He's not going to suddenly turn into fucking prime Pavel Nedved overnight, is he? You know what I mean? It's like, what do you, nice if you did. Well, it, it would be absolutely amazing, but let's just be honest, we're in the championship and bottom half of the championship for a reason. You're not going to get players of that sort of calibre at North End. It's like, yeah, he'd admit himself he had a naff game. He doesn't need 2,000 people to tell him he was shit as well. I think on that point, we can uh, we can break, boys, unless you've got anything else you want to add. Nah, let's get a cup of tea, move yeah, on. Sound. Or a Mackey's in your case, mate. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> I'll see you in part two.
Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we've got a few listener questions for you, and then we'll finish it there before having a week off. Got a meet coming out next week, so keep an eye out for the announcement for that. Yeah, boys, um, we'll start with a question from some people's favourite person, some people's not favourite person. Friend of the pod, no doubt, uh, Ollie, who asked, why do people think sacking the manager will make a tangible difference long term whilst all of the other variables at the club remain the same? Mm. Good question, Mr O'Connell. Um, so personally for me, I, I just don't see anything changing whilst the structure remains in place, like you said, because I just think that it suits the model, having Frankie in charge. He's done all right as, in terms of results. Whilst he's not my cup of tea and I, uh, he's not everybody's cup of tea either, nothing changes at this moment in time. You know, the players are exactly the same. Peter and, you know, the structure is the same. That's without wholesale changes, because if you're going to get rid of Frankie, you've got to then look at the wider structure as to why is that not delivered results? You know, what where you can't pinpoint it all on one person. Yeah, Frankie's not performing to our expectations as fans, but. There's probably quite a few people at the club that aren't it as well. And I don't think anybody should be immune to criticism because collectively, the football club's what? 19th in league, is it, Jake? Um, 17th. 17th. 17th on 21 points. So looking at it that way, you're probably only 30-something points. You're probably about 30 points off safety. You know, can you get another 10 wins in the the remaining 29 games? Because if that's our... If that's what our ambition is as a football club just to remain in the championship at least come out and tell us because at least then we know what where the land lies I think you know the thing that pisses fans off more than anything is this premier ambition stuff when yes we've got some good players Ali McCann's an absolute player in my eyes Emil Reese will go on for big money but then the other players in the squad that are good or, or a, a, an exceptional level aren't ours you know Sep Daniel Iverson, they're not ours. You know, so next year for the 2022-23 season, you know, who, who comes in to replace these lads? You know, is Deck going to be the number one? Who who replaces Step? Because at the minute, is it he's irreplaceable? It's that not sure. I think everybody's not sure about what the future holds as well after after Trevor passing away as well, which I don't expect the family to come out with any sort of statement anytime soon. As far as we know, it's business as usual, but the fans' concern is when you've got a head coach in a role, doesn't look like he's performing to the greatest level, football's a bit dire, they can't see any way of that changing. You know, and I think if they knew, it's, it's the fear of the unknown more than anything with the fan base, in my opinion. Yeah, we don't know what's happening, you know, and we're not probably going to know what's happening for the foreseeable either. So that's always going to be a bit of a concern. So, so why, why, why do you think people think sacking the manager will make a difference? Because the tactics and the performances haven't been good enough. Yeah. And, and could, could, could a different coach with a different way of playing, a different style of play get a better, better, better results out of this team? I think, I think you have to look at the people calling for the manager to be changed, or the head coach, sorry. I think that's without a doubt what you just said, Jim. And it's, it's with probably a short-term vision in mind. I don't think anyone's looking at the the change of a manager being the change of anything long-term, because it won't be. No, 
No, that's true. Um, ultimately, we'll always come back to this sort of a period of of nothing, like I said earlier on. But at the moment, there's people just looking at our head coach who's got absolutely no experience whatsoever to be number one in the championship. And they're thinking, you know, we just won at Bournemouth. We've got enough quality in the squad to be able to compete in this league. And they're thinking, if we get a proper manager in, then, you know, we might be able to sort of, like, challenge towards the top ten of the table. Whereas at the moment, we're just happy being 16th, 17th, nine points out of the drop. Um, so that's why I suspect, including myself, as people who want to change the manager, because ultimately we've got a head coach at the moment who, who, um, who's not qualified and who's really... Um, inept as a number one in the championship. And it's tactically that it does me. Tactically, I just don't think he's he's very good. Like I know he set us up like he did on on Wednesday night, but over the course of the twenty nine games, whatever he's had in charge now, uh, how many times have we watched us and thought, you know what, we played bloody well today? You know, we've been entertained, we've seen some goals, we've seen some good attacking football. Can probably count on one hand the amount of times that's happened over the twenty nine games. You know, we just play a very bland style of football, very sort of regressive in terms of like how we play. It's very safe. It's you know, look at the second goal back yesterday. Like rewind it, the whole phase of play. You know, Josh Shell gets to the edge of their eighteen yard box, can put a ball into the box. Like plays then a, a poor ball to DJ who's on the edge of the arc. You know, why why are we coming inside at that point when he's got a man on him? You know, why we're playing such a poor ball and it just feels very safe as football it just doesn't it doesn't excite me you know and we've got some exciting players that's that's the thing that concerns me Josh Hill is an exciting player when he gets to the final third you know he can do things with his left foot you know we don't have any real natural left side of the attackers in our team Josh Hill was a, was a winger for the youth team came, and obviously got converted to a left back under Alex Neal you know he could be an, an exciting player. Ali McCann's probably one of the best centre midfielders that we're going to have in the next twenty years, in my opinion. He's absolutely fantastic. You know he's exciting. He can do anything. You know Ben Whiteman can pick a pass out. You know I thought Ben Whiteman did all right yesterday. Panicked your side. Thought he did all right at Bournemouth. Like you've got players that could be exciting if they're given the freedom to do so. And yeah, Alex Neil wasn't the most excited of managers towards the end, but that first season was exciting. You know you. I remember that whole game, that whole away game. It's what a piece, and he chucks on Callum Robinson, who'd been in and out of the team. You know, talk of like issues off the field, and I think it was Daryl Horgan as well went for it. Two new attackers, you know, and won the game. I just don't see us doing that under under Frankie. And as sad as that is, it's not Frankie's fault. At the same time, Frankie's hmm. been chucked into the job. It's do you not think he's like, got personnel to do that though. What this moment in time? I think there's some good players in the squad. I genuinely do. You know, Tom Barcusen is an exciting attacker. Emil Reese, exciting. You know, there's players in the squad that are no, exciting. I'm, to I'm watch. saying, do you think he's got the players on the bench in a match day to, to chuck on and make the changes? In his 3 5 2 From an shape, attacking no. point of view. No, because, of this, because we're so rigid in terms of playing the 3 5 2, 5 3 2, 5 2, 1 2, whatever you want to call it. It's just shit to watch. Like, if you go. If you go with the shape that we've played for the past four years under, under Alex Neal, like, and you have a, two exciting attackers on your wings, you've got a number nine that knows where the net is, you've got DJ in the 10 or Browning in the 10, whoever you want to put there. You've at least got four exciting players there. You can be solid defensively. You can have a solid back four. 
And, you know, you can have two box-to-box, ball-winning centre midfielders, whatever you want to call them. So you can have sort of seven defensive players as long as you've got them four attackers in the, in the game. You know, when you're playing a game and you've got, like, you're going with Emil and, and DJ yesterday like as the front two. And I, I didn't mind the DJ being in, the, in the, that 10 role, to be honest with you. But at least getting the ball or getting a decent pass to his feet rather than, like, I think we let him down a little bit yesterday. And, yeah, it was just... It's just so boring to watch. That's the frustrating thing for me. We had such big opportunities against Derby at home when we get nearly 20,000 on. Against Blackpool when we sell out our allocation and put in that sort of shite display in the Derby game that's so critical to us as fans. And it was just brushed off because we had, oh, we were playing Liverpool on the Wednesday night. Yeah, well, we didn't exactly do great against Liverpool either, did we? And they were playing their reses. You know, we take 2,000 yesterday, we don't turn up. This is why fans are getting a bit miffed. You know, because we're just not we're not performing in, in games where there's expectation on us. There's nothing that makes you want to go back, is there? If you think about it, if you're a, if you're a fan that's not been on for three or four years, or not been on since the Wesley area, era, sorry, because obviously that era of football disillusioned so many fans in our fan base. And you pay a five to go on, thinking, yeah, could you get excited by this? And you watch that first half, we 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 performed. It's no wonder people left at half time because it was shite. You're playing bottom of the league, you know. You're playing Derby with a better team on the day. You know, we come away with a point, great. But it's a nil-nil game. Everyone's bored to tears, and it's like, eh, well, do I really want to pay twenty-seven quid or whatever it is on, on where I sit to go next week? Mm. Probably not. Now we'll save it for Rovers, you know, in whenever that is March or Blackpool game. We'll sit. We'll go to big games. We won't go to every week. So it's a chance to rejuvenate the fan base and give a bit of excitement to people, but instead we perform like we'd never met. You keep on going on as a supporter for moments like Wednesday night. They sort of hook you for years again. The the mm. um you, you you know you win at Bournemouth and it's a great night for all involved, and you sort of you reflect afterwards and you think that's that's why we keep on coming. That's why you you watch that ninety minutes against Derby or yesterday or Blackpool. That's that's why you've gone into supporting North End for like moments of like pure jubilation like that, um, and that's why you keep on going. Um, at the moment, or especially yesterday, and at times when we're playing such turgid stuff, I'm all a bit numb to it at the moment. I'm all a bit. We keep going back to what the word is apathetic ultimately. We're bored, um, Sal. Yeah. We're bored. We're bored of the football. We're bored of the stuff we've got on the club. club have made some good steps forward in the past six months. You know, the fan zone, great step forward for us as a club. We've been dying for one for about five years. It's well used on a match day. You only have to go in there on a match day and see that bloody hell, it's full this. You know, it probably needs to be bigger more than anything. You know, it was made some good steps forward. You know, the signing of Valley McCann, great signing. You know, on deadline day, you know, last seconds of the window, we get him over the line. Great signing. Great for the future as well. Perfect for what we need. You know, a young, hungry central midfielder, current international, we're getting for about a million quid. Brilliant. That's perfect for what we want as a football club. None of these signings that, you know, we made two or three years ago, and we'll keep mentioning them because they're still at the club, that aren't going to make you any money and are just a drain on the on the resources at the club. Right. We don't need players like that. We want young, hungry players like an Ali McCann or an Emil Reese that want to prove themselves here and get a, use us as a stepping stone to progress their careers. 
you know, because then at day, that's what people are going to do at North End. They're not going to be here for 10 years unless you're a player like Hunts that's done well for a considerable length of time here. He's coming to the twilight of his career. Of course, he's going to stay here. You know, he doesn't, he loves it here. Like, why would you want to leave? You know, it's it's as simple as that, really. But you want players that are 21, 22, 23. I think it was Rovers yesterday, put eight players under 24 in the lineup to start the game. You want players like that that are going to, that want to prove themselves to push on and try and aspire to play in the Premier League. Because if you've got anything about you as a player, that's surely your aspiration. You don't just want to be a championship clogger for the rest of your life. You want to push on. Like, and I think that whole recruitment piece, yeah, we're starting to see the you know, some of the work come to fruition finally. But like, we've got to get it right in January as well and get us excited again. That's the thing, isn't it? But we're going to be competing with bigger clubs for these for similar types of players. Yeah. Uh, next question then. I suppose perhaps a bit similar to the first one, but I'll ask it anyway. Why do you think the club is keeping hold of Frankie? What have they seen this season to think that things are going to improve and that he will have us pushing for the playoffs? Well, I think it's aspiration. I just, yeah, like Jimmy just said then, I, as we alluded to earlier, ultimately, the powers that be aren't that arse where we are in the league in terms of uh, towards the higher echelons of the league. I just think they're more than happy staying at the middle to lower table mediocrity. As long as we're in the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there is much ambition at the moment. I think they're more than happy just gliding through the motions. Prove me wrong that we show ambition at the minute. Pardon the sign of Ali McCann. Prove me wrong. There's nothing there. There's nothing there to say that we're exciting or ambitious as a football club. Oh, we've got a training ground that we acquired on cheap from from Wigan. Wow. You know, we're still sat on a load of housing land in Ingle. Like that we own, like what? Come on. So, and also to come back to the question, uh, the head coach ultimately is just a bit of a yes man for the powers that be. Not going to question them. Not going to hold them to account. Just going to be happy. Just, and just be a championship manager because that that's his his dream. That's his his level ceiling. Mm. It feels like he's perhaps reached the pinnacle with this, doesn't it? Or reached his well, of course, well, of course, but he's not going to kick up a stink for the for the hierarchy, is he? He's, you know, Alex Neil came out in the press every other week saying, like, in terms of how disappointed he was about the players that were brought in, etc. You know, Frankie's not going to do that. He's just going to thank everybody. You know, he's so so grateful to be in the job. Simple as that, really, isn't it? You know, I don't see us. I don't. He's not going to be kicking up a stink that, that Alex Neil was not a chance, but. I think, you know, as long as he doesn't start having to dig at the fan base again, because the more he does that, the more he alienates us and the more it splinters the fan base, you know, and causes issues because, like, we're, we're the lifeblood of the club. Like, you have, a, you have a go at your lifeblood of the club. Don't don't expect things to be pretty for you at Deepdale because people are just going to give you going to give you more grief. I know we had a bit, a bit of stick with someone the other week, like, but have a pop at the fan base, that's going to that's gonna get worse. Not Not like some old boy having a pop at you about not leaving someone up from a corner or something like that apparently it were yeah, that's exactly what it was and I, I think they did make up afterwards I think Frankie did apologise couldn't care less and at the day things are going to keep getting heated if he keeps having a pop at fans so don't do it 
think the the most frustrating thing about that is, you know, it was it was a few times, wasn't it, this season that it's happened where it's come after like a win out of nowhere, and it's like, is this really the right thing for you to be doing after like one win in ten or whatever it is, two wins in twelve or whatever? Like you almost feels like, oh, well, if you if you're someone that's criticising the coaching staff or the club, then you're not a proper, a true, honest, proper Preston North End fan or whatever it was that he said. Yeah. But, but just, just hold on, just, just give me a round of applause, everybody. Three wins in twelve. Well done, well done, well done for doing your job. Like, come on, is that like, even doing his job? Three wins in twelve. It's like, come on, is or three wins? In, yeah, well done for your three wins in five. But let's look at the previous seven games before that. It's like, what do you want? What do you want? A round of applause every time you go to work. Because you're in the wrong industry, if that's what you want. I'm not just saying this because it's what he used to do, but you don't applaud your postman, do you? When they when they put the post in the letterbox. Thank you, thank you very much for my post. It's right on time. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) I'm very sarcastic today. I'm just just not in the mood. I'm just miffed about yesterday. To be like Sarky Jimmy, to be fair. To be in a war of words with a supporter midway through a game is. Absolute beggar's belief, to be honest. That's that's enough on the matter, I think. Letting it letting it get to you though, like just yeah, like you say, probably enough on the matter. Um, next question then from Ryan Johnston. Johnston, sorry. Um, he's asked if Bauer is out long term, would you start Hunt for a bit of leadership at the back? Sepp and Hughes are both mobile enough to help cover. Plus, Bauer isn't the most mobile anyway. Was Hunt on the bench yesterday? He warmed up, didn't he? It might have been just outside the eighteen there. Um, warmed up. W- warmed up what on the sidelines? No, uh, with the with the Bef- squad before the game. Yeah, yeah, he was on the bench. Um... To be fair to Hunts, when he's come in after a layoff and not being in the team, he's he's tended to do a good job. Having said that, it's either been alongside Ben Davis and Patrick Bauer or Patrick Bauer, sorry. Um, look, we all love Hunts, don't we? He's been he's been a great servant to the club. And maybe that protection would come in a back five. Obviously, the only reason that you might play a back five is because you don't trust your defenders all that much. So maybe his limitations that come with his age might uh, might be lessened in a back five. Uh, but I'd be concerned. With Hunts, Hughes, and Vandenberg, yeah, I think it's weak. The thought of Kiefer Moore at Deepdale scares me. Given the what, way just in general, or up against Hunts? Just the way we're playing, like they play, they play like a three-four-two-one. So quite a, so the five-three-two shape would probably remain in place. But then, who deals with Kiefer Moore? Because. His movement's good. I think it's a toss-up in it between Hunts and Story who gets that middle centre-back berth. Um, I can't see him putting Liam... I don't think he'll put Liam Lindsay in there, but... One thing's for sure. Um, Story's performance yesterday will have done him no no help at all. But has he had that bad a season, Story? No, I think he's been been all right to this point, to be fair. He's been okay, hasn't he? He's had had a couple of games where... Could have done better, I think. Red in away. Yeah, but to be, okay. up to the other day, up to the other day, he was our, one of our leading minutes makers. 
it's done. It's, it's been all right this season for me. Yeah. Story, you know, he's, he's suited the three-five-two more than I expected him to. You know, he's fourth in terms of minutes. Andrew Hughes overtook him yesterday, so he's he's played quite a bit this season. You know, it's not like he's not played, but yesterday he's just coming out from the cold. You know, not not playing the game before. You know, in, in a win as well. Um, did he start against Coventry? Didn't did he? So, oh, sorry, Luton. It's starting the Luton game. So he's been out of the cold for a couple of games and comes in and he just gets caught a little bit short, doesn't he? If we're honest, three games he was on the bench in a row. Had played every game of the season before that point. I thought Lyle Taylor did a right job on him yesterday, by the way. Just wound him up for second half. Just kept, that just video? kept. Yeah, yeah, that video has been doing the rounds, hasn't it? He was just winding them up all. In, he was already on a bucket at that point. He was probably lucky he didn't walk, let's be honest. But he, he had a, he made a foul after about 75 minutes. I thought, oh, we're in trouble here. But we have to book him. So, yeah. So, if he is out long term, would you bring Hunts in or? Loss of a coin. I'd, I'd revert back to story purely because he's had a decent. A decent season. It's with regret, though. Mm. Fair enough. Last one, then. Um, This one's from Tom Coulston, or Coulston, and yeah, Tom Coulston. Um, Put your teeth in, Jake. He's asked, is it time to start fighting for our club? The apathy is extremely concerning. Could we be more vocal as a fan base to show our discontent towards lots of different factors at the club? I think the one thing for me is, what does it change? What what does it change? If you you know, there's nothing that we can do. There's no shareholding that's with supporters. We're just about getting a voice at the club now through Press and Sports Collective. You know, and it's only a small voice at that. You know, it's it's not end of the day. I've said this before. It's probably not been our club for a while. You know what I mean? And there's always so much we can do as fans. Um, maybe it is the time for sports groups to step up a little bit more but at the end of the day what what impacts can we actually make because you know Peter Ridsdale's going nowhere he's on the EFL board he's a director at the football club I don't think Frankie's going anywhere you know the only people that are going anywhere at this moment in time is fans you know because they're, they're walking away sadly and something has to be done about that I, but it's that apathy piece again isn't it you know it just comes down to Fans just be having a feeling of disconnect to the football club, and what can we actually do about it? Because realistically, there's not that much that we can do. It's a really good question, actually. My take on it is that um, you sort of look at Man United's protests on on a much larger scale, to a lesser extent, Arsenal's protests. Regards Cronky and before that Wenger. And, you can go local as well. Uh, Blackburn with the Venkies, Blackpool yeah, with the Oystens. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's good protest uh, if you do it in the right way. Um, it's the last straw, isn't it? It's it's sort of holding your hands up and acknowledging complete and utter. You feel helpless. It's just your last straw, really when you really feel like your club's gone, like away from your hands. You support a club now, but you don't... I don't feel as if, like, I'm 
as connected to North End as I did when I started spotting North End. I just feel a bit like they're going to take my money and they're going to say, come in, come and watch for an hour and a half and then off you go again until the next time you come in. Um, I don't know. I think as well, it's a really good question. you know, them, them examples that you mentioned, United, Arsenal, Blackburn, Blackpool, does protesting really achieve anything? Well, it's only achieved anything at Blackpool, but that's down to the Eastern family being, mm, how do I put this without getting myself in court? Um, wrongings, I think was the word that Kevin Maguire used on a passive football podcast. Quickly shift the blame. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's because let's be honest, nothing changed at Arsenal. Benga left on his own accord, didn't he, at the end of the season? You know, and got a nice round of applause for leaving at the end. Um, Blackburn, Venkis are still there. You know, Glazers are still at United. Glazers are going nowhere at United as well. They might make all these shares available to fans, but they've got no voting power at all. You know, we're, we're powerless, aren't we, supporters? Absolutely, yeah, completely that powerless. Sport, it is just completely... With, yeah. Is that, is, that, is that a sign of what how football's changed, though, do you think? I think so, yeah. I th- it's big yeah, business think, now, isn't it? Yeah. Like I said, I... Like, supporting North End used to used to mean something. I'm not sure we mean anything to them anymore. Yeah, it's not the same as it. With that, Adam. It's not the same as it, as it used to be. But and what is? You know, there's nothing to show has changed, as they say. And I think I, I, there's a lot of clubs out there that have gone down a fan ownership model. I don't think we could do that because of our reliance of the owner's money. You know, the fact is we lose money. Every single year, I think it's eight years out of the last nine, we've lost money as a business. Because in a day, whilst we are supporters of football club, we're also customers of it as well. Because, and people can say support is not customers, but in a day, without us putting money into the business, you know, that's another little black hole that the club has in terms of finances. Um, and the biggest income this football club gets is TV revenue through the solidarity payments from uh, the Premier League. You know, seven and a half million pound a year. I think it is now for TV revenue. Our total turnover is about eleven million quid. So that puts it in perspective, like how much we're reliant on the TV money. That's why we can't afford to go down to League One again because who then makes up that six million pound that you get a year in TV money? The difference between the Championship and League One, because we don't know what's happening at the moment. That you know, after the owner passed away, it's a bit of a it's all up in the air, isn't it? So. I completely get what you're saying, lads. It's just, I don't think there's that much we can actually do. You know, Peter Ridsdale's going nowhere. I don't think Frankie McAvoy's going anywhere at this moment in time. I just think he's part of the structure and it's, um, yeah, it's concerning for me that. It just feels very comfortable, doesn't it? From a club point of view, you know, not from a fan point of view, but you from the outside looking in, it just feels like there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of people of in positions that are just comfortable, happy plodding along as we are. There's a lot of problems, Jay, but it's like we're, we're just we're fine with it. It's just sort of like brushing it under the carpet and it's like, it's okay. Well, it's not okay because we're losing customers. You know, we had like 10,000 own fans against Luton. You know, we can't, we're never going to have aspirations to push the top six with 10,000 coming through the gate from a home perspective. We're that, just living for tomorrow. Was... That was probably artificially inflated as well because of the three for two offer. That was the last of the three for two games, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but but how many took that offer up, Jake? If we're honest, 
thousand maybe, but that's what I'm saying. Like, thousand? Are you kidding me? A thousand? Nowhere near. Mm, we're, talking, we're, probably talking, we're probably talking a couple of hundred maybe, not a thousand. Nowhere near. So ultimately, we're living for tomorrow as a football club, which means that we're stagnating um, and we're starting to decline. And so we have been doing since Hugo left the club ultimately. Yeah. Boys, unless you've got anything else you want to add, then I think we can wrap wrap the pod up there uh, before a week off. Yeah, behave yourselves this week. No digging players out on Twitter. No being idiots. Just uh, our message come together now. Listeners, Jim. Yeah, it's just a message for the listeners. Let's come together. Let's, uh, let's do what we can as a fan base together. Enjoy your week off. Enjoy your week. Put your trotters upon your sofas next, next weekend. And uh, we go again against Cardiff, don't we? We go again, as yeah. they say. Well, that's all we can do at the minute. Big week, that, by the way. Cardiff, Borough, and then um, there's a, a small game against um, that Tim Pot side down the road coming up that have managed to get themselves in the playoffs at this moment in time, or just on the edges of the playoffs. I think QPR nicked out a goal difference yesterday. You know, And then we've got Fulham as well, so the Alexander Mitrovic show comes to town as well in between that and uh, the Borough game. So it's a big month ahead of this. Big, big month. Yeah, it is. No, you're right. It is a big month. And, you know, you look at the game after Rovers, Barnsley. You know, Barnsley, if, we yeah. don't, if we don't pick up many wins in those four games, that Barnsley game becomes significant. You don't want to be going to Millwall the week before Christmas needing a win. Definitely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, and on that note, we can we can call it we can call it there, boys. It's been an up and down week. Largely more of the same in terms of performances, but what do we expect at the minute? Nothing's really gonna change, is it? Or at least that's how it seems. Yeah. Cheers for listening to episode fourteen of the podcast. Like I said, we're having a week off next weekend, but there will be a meets episode out on Monday next week to keep you ticking over. So, yeah, cheers, boys. Thank you very much. Nice one. Matt, I'm going shopping. <laughs> Sound. Cheers, Sally. No worries. Yeah.